Come to Zion. Come. To- I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> Today we are talking about how to build Zion and how perfectionism ruins Zion. It really tears it down. And I think we build an artificial Zion, which is what we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. and how we can just avoid a perfectionist Zion and a Zion where God resides and happiness lives and we can all rejoice and be happy together. And Zion is what it should be. Yes, it's what Not it should what be. Not what it should look like. Yeah, right? and I want to remind everyone, I think, I think sometimes we think that Zion is perfect the way it is and we've created the happiest place to live because of the title of the church, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And sometimes we assume we're already there, like we're saints, right? I like to call it the Church of Jesus Christ of aspiring saints. Q snaps. We're all just trying to become better, right? We're trying to become more like Jesus every day. So we're aspiring saints. We're not there yet. If any of you already think you're a saint, you're not. I'm just telling you. Oh, sick burn. (laughs) Oh, sick burn. (laughs) So we are going to introduce Zion with some scriptures. Um, We're going to read two each. The first one we're going to read is Moses. Okay, I should have had it open. Moses (laughs) 7 verse 18. Um, which reads, and the Lord calls his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwell in righteousness and there were no poor among them. So they're happy, they're one, they're unified, they dwell in righteousness and there's no poor among them. And I think it doesn't mean like Money? Maybe it does, and I'm just mm, wrong. Partly, like, but like, if I'm wrong, sorry, Moses. But I just, I don't think that's what he meant, right? Like, yeah. poor, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, the next one's 4th Nephi 117. It says, There were no robbers nor murderers, neither were there Lamanites nor any manner of ites, but they were in one, the children of Christ and heirs to the kingdom of God. And this is after Christ visited the Nephites, and this is kind of the after effect of that. And, um, I just think there's a lot of ites that we have today. Yep. You know, there's a lot of ways that we classify and categorize each other in ways that are not helpful. And this can range from political parties to people's stances on like abortion or piercings or tattoos or or gender or gender. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's just a lot of ways where we group each other and categorize each other that create these ites. And if you read in the scriptures, Christ's Zion does not have ites and we create them ourselves. This doesn't come from God for us to do this to each other. And, and saying that, I don't mean that the direction from the church is not divine. It is. But we use that to merit other people's character, which is what is wrong. And we use it to label them, which is wrong. Yes, totally. And I think that's exactly what Moses was hitting on is that there's no like... None of these little groups, like Zion is of one heart, one mind, and one people. The next scripture is Doctrine and Covenants section 97, verse 21. And it says, "Um, Therefore, verily, thus saith the Lord, let Zion rejoice, for this is Zion, the pure in heart. Therefore, let Zion rejoice, while all the wicked shall mourn. And this scripture was given to Joseph Smith at a time when the church was receiving a lot of persecution and they were being driven from city to city to city and they were about to leave another city. And so it's interesting that the Lord is telling them to rejoice because this is Zion, the pure in heart. And what I get from that is 
that the Lord has your back when you're trying to create Zion and everything Mm -hmm. is going to be okay when there's so much wickedness around us Zion moves along you know whether that's geographically they have to move or we're just (laughs) progressing and it makes me think of um like Thor Ragnarok when Oz like Asgard gets destroyed do you watch yeah yes okay yep and I'm with then they're like in that ship flying away and like watching it explode and I can't remember if it's like Thor's dad or something, but he's like, Asgard isn't a place. It's a people. Yes. Right. That's like yes. Zion. Okay. Zion is not a place. It's not Utah. Oh, it's a people. It's definitely not Utah. <laughs> definitely not Provo. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh, last scripture, first Nephi thirteen thirty seven, And it says, and blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at that day. They shall have the gift and power of the Holy ghost. And if they endure unto the end, they shall be lifted up at the last day, shall be saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. And whoso shall publish peace, yea, tidings of great joy, mm. how beautiful upon the mountains shall they be. Love I think that. it's interesting that it doesn't say whoso shall publish judgment or isolation or shame. Or even like whosoever lives perfectly uh-huh. can get these things. Like that's not at all what he's saying. It's the, those who seek to build whatever or seek to spread joy and happiness or whatever it's you just yeah. read it and i can't remember it but no yeah. you're good peace does not equate to perfection you can have peace without being perfect that was really good thank you so much <laughs> and that you know that goes back to the whole aspiring saints thing mm-hmm. we are just aspiring to become like christ every single day and that that is zion yes we're not already saints none of us are there but we're all just trying to be so we wanted to share those scriptures and those thoughts to preface everything we're going to talk about and one thing we just want you to remember is to be an aspiring saint if you think you are one you're not if you think anyone else is too they're not they're not everyone's just trying yeah exactly and so so in in these zionistic cultures that we're trying to build and create right that's whole that's why we're here right president nelson talked so much in the last conference about gathering israel right We're, Mm -hmm. we're gathering everyone together to create this this environment and this culture where, where everyone has a place, right? Yeah. And perfectionism, as we know, tells us that when we mess up, we need to isolate and shame and beat ourselves up, that we are in charge of rectifying our mistakes, which is so false because then why did we have a savior who died for us, mm-hmm. right? That's not our responsibility to fix it. I mean, obviously yeah. fix and change our behavior, but like we can't erase that. Christ does that. And perfectionism so often paints a hateful, scornful God, right? Who, who, when we're not exactly obedient and we're not following the commandments and the things of the church, black and white, exactly how we're supposed to that he either gives us the silent treatment or yeah. thinks less of us or, or won't accept you or, or won't accept us or our relationship is tarnished. Um, yeah. my little brother gave, uh, that probably makes him sound really young. He's like 20 or something like that. But he gave a really good analogy to this a couple weeks back where he said that we often think of God in this way. And that's why we often get so paralyzed in our decisions because we want to do exactly what's right perfectly because we're afraid that blessings either won't come or punishment will come if we don't. And he's like, I just imagine God like, like instead of, instead of this really harsh, scornful teacher or punisher that He's just, you know, he's just a dad with his kids and he knows his kids are trying to figure it out. And he's just giving us little nuggies being like, oh, you were so silly back there. Like, yeah. like you, you didn't know, or even you did know, but like you, you messed up, but I'm still your dad and I'm yeah, not going to love you and it's fine. Yeah. And, and he's a perfect dad. He's the perfect father figure. And so mm-hmm. 
anything you can think of that your dads have done to you while raising you that hurt you or was not a great way to raise a kid because every dad has done it because again we're all imperfect like whether it's silent treatment or punishments that were too harsh or whatever God doesn't do that like he's all of the good parts of your dad yeah totally and I think an episode we're going to touch on later is how perfectionism like skews our view of God how we see God how we see Christ Mm -hmm. and um we need to remember that the same God in the scriptures who forgives everybody, Jesus, even when he's getting crucified, says, forgive them. Like they don't, they don't know, know what, what they're, they're doing. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And please remember that that person is your judge. That person that forgives anyone who asks for forgiveness gets it, right? He's the one judging he's you. He's the one judging you. Yeah. And one, I want to touch on one thing you said earlier about gathering. Like we need to gather Zion. That's something that we do. Or gather Israel, but Zion, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can't gather when we're pushing away. Like, I know that's oh, so simple. I know that's so, so true. Simple, but think about that. You can't gather people while pushing them away at the same time. That's not how it works. Yeah. And sometimes this culture has like barbed wire around it or like prickly bushes. That's like, oh, sorry, you did this. You don't belong here. Or, you know. And and I'm sure we've all felt that maybe to an extent or we've witnessed Mm -hmm. others feel that. And we said this in our first episode. I'm sorry if you felt that way. That's not the purpose. And we need to gather each other. And you do that with open arms, scooping in things, gathering Mm -hmm. them in together and embracing them. Because the bottom line of perfectionism, what perfectionism boils down to is simply if something is not perfect, it is not good. Not welcome. Yeah. That, that nope. is what it is exactly. And so if you're looking through people in the church or just people in your life through this lens, then when they're they're not perfect, then you create this exclusivity barrier where it is now conditional whether people get to come into Zion or get mm-hmm. to be a part of this community. And, and and God is not conditional, right? He has unconditional love. And um where perfectionism tells us that we should shame and isolate and scorn either ourselves or others connectionism says that we all mess up and that those mess ups and those mistakes give us even more reason to come together and create Zion like communities Zion is not created despite our flaws and mistakes it is created because and through our flaws and mistakes yes exactly and I love in you know, the New Testament, the people that were drawn to Jesus are the people that knew they needed him. Mm -hmm. They knew they had flaws. They knew they had maybe a sickness or they knew they had something and they needed a savior. They needed him. Mm -hmm. It's not like for any other reason. And so I think there's a level of humility, understanding like I need Christ just as much as the next person. And that's the beauty of Zion to me. Like we all need him. We all need him together and connectionism connection like connecting on that mm-hmm. connecting on the level of flaws like oh you're messed up me too welcome yeah, welcome to zion <laughs> yeah. yes you're messed up me too yeah. welcome to zion welcome. i hope that's Enjoy what they it. say when i get to the, the pearly <laughs> gates <laughs> I, know, I love that it's so true um there's a quote by c.s lewis that i love and it says friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another what you too I thought I was the only one Mm -hmm. and just tacking onto what you said. No one needs Jesus more than anyone else. No. The fact that all of us are immortal means we all need Jesus the same amount. Yeah. For different things. Yeah. At different times in different capacities, but we all need him. Mm -hmm. We're all messed up. Like you said, and the way that we can approach that instead of viewing it as this taboo thing where we can't talk about it or shun people or whatever 
is like C.S. Lewis said, where we're like, oh my gosh, you struggle with that too? Cool. I thought it was just me. Like, I thought I was alone in this. But none of us really are alone. Even if we don't feel the same things exactly how someone else feels it, we all can relate to being sinners, yeah. <laughs> right? At the end of the day and, and making mistakes and being flawed. Um, so one scripture that I also want to pull up is in John, our boy John, Johnny, Johnny Boa, John 13 through, uh, hmm. John 15, 13 through 15. Um, and it says this, it says greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Next verse says, ye are my friends, even if ye do whatsoever I command you. Third verse says, henceforth, I call you not servants for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. And, uh, I just read this in my like personal studies a while ago and realized that these three verses perfectly outline, in my opinion, the three pillars of Zion. So first verse, greater love hath no man than this to lay down his life for his friends. And in the church, we are asked to sacrifice for each other in a lot of capacities, whether it's callings or, yeah, time, or ministering, service, time, money, energy, tithing, money, tithing. Mm-hmm. We're act, asked to sacrifice a lot. And going back to what we were just talking about, the moment that that sacrifice becomes conditional is the moment that Zion, I believe, begins to crumble. The moment you, you start implementing this exclusivity barrier between who you're going to sacrifice or serve and who you won't. That, that's when the fabrics of Zion just start kind of coming undone. Um, and then the mm-hmm. second verse, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So obedience, right? And I love just the word friends too. Like we're friends. Yeah. It's not like a competition of who's better than who. And I think, you know, this is re- obviously referring to Christ who laid down his life mm-hmm. for us. But we're trying to become like Christ and we need to be friends because he's our greatest friend. I love that title. And so it's not a comparison. It's not who's better than who or who's more righteous than who or who serves more than who because that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. And this also can go back to, you know, when someone has wronged you personally and, and how to yeah. navigate that. And you don't have to let toxic people into your life. You don't have to associate with them on the daily. But I think at the basis of Zion, it's, you know, whatever you've done, whether it's to me or other people, like, yeah, it's not cool. It's not right. God doesn't condone sin. Right. But if you ever need someone, you belong in Zion. And since we're both part of Zion, I will be there for you if you need me. Yeah. And I do want to say too, that when someone hurts you or if someone makes you not feel like Zion, like peace Mm -hmm. and happiness or whatever, it's healthy to have boundaries. It's healthy to keep those people out and service and that service Anna's mentioning needs to be genuine. So if it's ever coming from a place of like resentment or I don't want to do this or I don't feel that's okay, stop doing it then. Stop serving because it's, you know, because you feel like it's like, oh, I just have to do this. Mm -hmm. And instead try and, you know, let it come from a place of um, authenticity and connection for connectionism, right? So let yourself heal if someone has wronged you or if someone, you know, it's okay to do that. I want to say that too because I think Zion this artificial Zion is sometimes created created out of artificial service. I'm just doing it so people see that I'm serving yes. or people know that I'm like service oriented, which is what we're going to talk about in a little bit too. Yeah, totally. And obviously like when we say, you know, and I, and I know you didn't mean this, but like yeah. stop serving, obviously don't like stop serving that person forever, but yeah, don't think of yourself as a less of a person 
or a bad person if you take a step back from, from yeah it's that fine individual. yeah it's literally fine <laughs> yeah yeah and like yeah so we'll, we'll get into that in a second um and so this this uh verse where it says you're my friends if you do whatsoever i command you so the second pillar of perfectionism is obedience and so often in the church and in a perfectionist culture in general we flip around obedience and we turn it from meaning to mechanism right so we we want to obey the rules not obey god and so it takes away from the meaning of, of, of obedience. And so are we worshiping God or are we worshiping the rules? Because yes. if you love God and you're worshiping God, then the rules will follow. And even if two people are following the same rules exactly, the one who is doing it because they love God, not because they love the rules or want people to see them following the rules, the intention that's going to be there is going to be so much more genuine and so much more powerful and so much more sustainable. Yes. And we mentioned in the first episode, focusing on the do's instead of the don'ts. Mm -hmm. I'm a good member because I don't do this. I don't do this. Well, it should be because I love God and I, you know, try to study every day or I try to keep him in my life and, and pray or whatever you want to do that makes you closer to God. Yeah. But I think that's the first and greatest commandment to love God. And then to, to love God. other people. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's yeah. not, obviously we should obey God, but that's not the first commandment. It's not it's like, to love here's him. the first commandment. Obey me. It's love me. Yeah. Love because it. Because I think that when you truly love, love God and then second commandment, you love his children, the rules will follow. You will want to follow the rules because you love God. Yeah. Okay. And then the third verse, henceforth, I call you not servants, but I've called you friends. And so this obviously just goes back to our whole concept of Zion is friendship. When you're in Zion, when we've built a Zion-like community, it is Zion because everyone has a place and everyone has a friend. I mean, if you were to walk in, let's say Zion's a room. If Zion were a room, anyone who walked into that room would not for a second feel out of place or feel like they don't know who to talk to or who to sit by, you know, if, like, yeah. if we're flashing it back to like middle school cafeteria. Ew. Like there will never be that person who has to like eat lunch alone or try to eat lunch in the bathroom or even like has to change themselves to have friends yes. too. Like they don't have to act like someone else when they're with their like jock friends or mm -hmm. their math friends or like it's you're just yourself and everyone is welcome there. You walk in as you are and you're accepted as you are and everyone has a friend yeah. and, and you're we're not labeled by like in the scripture it, it's the label they use is servants which I don't know how much that applies to us but like we're just, we're friends. There's just connection there. And it's all about connectionism, not perfectionism. Yes. And seeing moments, again, connectionism is seeing moments of imperfection as opportunities for increased intimacy, obviously like emotional and relational mm -hmm. intimacy, not divisiveness or shame or judgment. And so that, that's the third pillar. I don't know if you said that, but connection. Yeah. The third pillar. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Third so pillar connection. First, first pillar, the three pillars are sacrifice, obedience, and connection. And did we just did you just come up with that or did you like hear that somewhere? I just came up with I it. I love it. <laughs> I just want to make sure like we're saying. We're giving you know? credit where credit is due. Yeah. So yeah, I love that connection. So yeah. cool. Okay. The next thing we're going to talk about is huge and it's about service, which we've touched on a little bit. Sometimes, and I know this can be true of myself as well as, you know, a people pleaser. We talk about this in the first um, series but being a people-pleasing person versus a God-pleasing person. And there's a total difference. You can do the same action with two different in in intentions. My intention either to 
seek praise from other people or be seen or with the intent to serve God because I love him. Going back to the pillars, right? Mm -hmm. There is a beautiful talk about this and it's called beautiful, beautiful. We love by a beautiful apostle, a who beautiful man, a beautiful Oof. man. We love him. Elder Uchtdorf. You'll probably know who I'm talking about before I even said it. His talk is called the greatest among you. And I think he gave it in 2016 or something. But when I heard it, it really, really changed my life. So I'm going to share a few parts that I love from the talk and we can discuss it. Okay, so the first thing I want to share, he says, um, he's talking about God, um, he's talking about the Lord talking to his apostles or his servants at the time when he was on earth. And I can't remember the exact story, so I'm just going to like stumble through it, but I can't remember their names. Two of the apostles are like, hey, Lord, can we in the kingdom of heaven, you know, be on your right hand and on your left. Can we be the ones that are like closest to you? We just want that spot. And this, you know, um, sparks the whole talk about you don't get a place in heaven by campaigning for it by being like, well, I served everyone and I did this and this and this. So I get to be closest to the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, like proximity closest to be next to him. And, you know, this is how Elder Uchtdorf talks about his response. He says, This is not the way it shall be among you. Instead, whosoever will be the greatest among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. And I love that he's saying like, okay, I see you apostles. You want to be great. You want to be like viewed great in my eyes. Then be a servant to others around you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Yeah. And I really, really loved that. The greatest among you shall be your minister. And in my eyes, I think the world, you know, when you think about power, it's someone who's like almost untouchable. They're like so far up there. They're so cool, have all of this influence. They're not down in the trenches. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what a great leader or a great minister is in God's eyes. Someone that's just down there serving because that's what he did. Yeah, like King Benjamin, right? He got yeah. down in the dirt with the people. Yes. That's what we want to see. And so he continues to talk about what, okay, like, I'll do that. What does this ministering look like? And Elder Uchtdorf says, it means rejoicing with those who are happy, weeping with those who grieve, lifting up those in distress, and loving our neighbor as Christ loves us. The Savior loves all of God's children, regardless of their socioeconomic circumstance, race, religion, language, political orientation, nationality, or any other grouping, any other ite. And I love that so much. You should serve someone, whether they're, whether they voted for Trump or Biden. Okay. (laughs) I know that's a problem right now. Or no matter their race, no matter their religion. Um, And this made me think a little bit too about the Give Thanks campaign Mm -hmm. that we had Mm -hmm. a little bit ago. And I saw some of my friends posting about how much they hated it, how annoying it was. They're like, oh, like, it's so annoying to see everyone being grateful online. Like, it seems so not genuine. I hate seeing other people happy. Yeah, and it <laughs> but really, really, yeah. they were like, this is the most, like, disingenuous, disingenuous? Is that Love it. Disingenuous? Love I think it. that's the word it is now. This is the most disingenuous act of gratitude or whatever. There's so much suffering in the world. Why are you being grateful right now? But I love the Give Thanks campaign. I think that giving thanks is so important. And he says to minister, you be happy for those that are happy when someone else maybe 
they want to post about how grateful they are for their happy marriage and they're just best friends and it's perfect and whatever instead of being like well mine's not like that how dare they that's so rude that's so inconsiderate when we want to minister or create zion it should be i'm so happy for them like that is Mm -hmm. awesome their victory is our victory yeah yeah and even if it's because i know a complaint was that like they're just making their lives seem perfect or they're being fake or whatever like how do you know that And if it's true, that's awesome. You know, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my job, whatever it might be. We don't have to, Elder Holland said one time, we don't have to down a quart of pickle juice every time someone Mm -hmm. else around us has a blessing Mm -hmm. or has something good happen to them. Yeah. And we also don't have to dim our light to make other people more comfortable with their lights. Cause yeah, it's, it's more, it's not just like a light. It's more like a candle where the higher your flame is, the more you're able to, heighten other people's flames as Mm -hmm. well right yeah and remember where the flame comes from it's the light of christ it's not you boo it's not you boo it's really not i mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's sure it's you trying to be you know come closer to christ but remember we want to be god pleasing Mm -hmm. not people pleasing without christ there wouldn't be a flame no there would not be a flame um and so going back to you know seeking reward out of service i know sometimes like as a kid i was I've been a people pleaser since day one. <laughs> like I really have. She didn't even cry when she was born because she didn't want to upset her mom. No, it's <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, but like if my little sister would, if we would like make dessert together or something, and this is just an example. I don't even know what I'm saying. But <laughs> if we made dessert and then my mom's like, oh, thank you for doing this, Brianna. It's like I did it too. Like I needed to be recognized mm-hmm. for everything. Like, or, or if I did the dishes and my parents didn't notice it or someone didn't notice it, I would have to be like, oh, well I did the dishes today. You know, Mm -hmm. you just have to be recognized for your service. So I don't know what that says about me (laughs) as a child. (laughs) I've gotten a lot better, but this is what Elder Uchtdorf says a little bit later down in the talk. He says, God's greatest reward goes to those who serve without expectation of reward. Okay. Ouch. Right to the heart. Yeah. It goes to those who serve without fanfare. Those who quietly go with, uh, those who quietly go about seeking ways to help others, those who minister to others simply because they love God and God's children. Once again, yeah, love I love based, that. Not judgment based. Love based, not judgment based. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just have a couple more thoughts about this talk. Do you want to add anything while I'm uh, I'm just yeah, going off yeah, on yeah. this talk? So I love. I, I think because so often we confuse the meaning of the word judgment. I think I mean it's such a loaded word where we're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're being so judgmental. We are commanded to judge, you know, like we're supposed to judge. How do you think any of us make any kind of decisions, you know, about who to date or who to hang out with or any decision? What food to eat for lunch? Exactly. As simple as that, as drastic as marriage, whatever it might be, we make decisions all of the time. And so obviously we're supposed to judge. But the thing that where it gets wrong is where you choose to devalue someone else's worth based off of that judgment. Because obviously we shouldn't, I mean, don't hang out with people who are going to make you sad or Mm -hmm. are bad influences on you, but don't take their behaviors and patterns as, well, they're less than me or they're less valuable or they're less worthy or or things like that. So like, obviously like, like judge and make good decisions, but judgment becomes a vice when we use it to decrease someone else's worth or character. Yeah, totally. And I think it's a concept too of using, judging an action or judging something and saying like, Oh, I don't like that action or I don't like this, but judge the behavior and not the person. 
right? Yeah. Like, don't let that define that person's character or something. So I, I do love that. Um, another spot in the talk continues about, like, inhaling the praise of others. Perfectionists often thrive, thrive on words of affirmation. We love it. We love it. I mean, everybody loves it. Come on. Everyone loves to hear something good about them, how mm-hmm. great they did on this project or how pretty they look or whatever. And that's fine. You know, it's always yeah. fun to get compliments. I love it. <laughs> yeah, who um, doesn't? But Elder Uchtdorf provides a word of caution about this. He was writing to St. George with someone when he was a young apostle. And, you know, the the more, what am I trying to say? Senior apostle was giving him counsel. And he said, Elder Erkdorf, the people in this church are going to love you. They're going to be nice to you. They're going to serve you. They're going to give you all the stuff and say all these like happy things about you and always be grateful for this, but never inhale it. That Love is that. interesting. Don't Love inhale that. this praise. Isn't that so cool? Mm-hmm. And he says this, there's nothing wrong with wanting to serve the Lord, but when we seek to gain influence in the church for our own sake, in order to receive the praise and admiration of men, we have our reward. When we inhale the praise of others, that praise will be our compensation. Mm. Interesting. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but it said a little bit earlier that, We want, you know, if you want to be viewed as, no, not viewed even because that comes from a a people like a pleasing standpoint. But if you want to receive God's blessings or God's reward that he has in store for you, you can't inhale this praise of other people. Yeah. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One more thought from this. And this will be my final thought from the talk that I love. It's, it's really good. Honestly, just go listen to it. It's awesome. Um, I'll share this little story. He says, when President J. Reuben Clark Jr. counseled those called to positions of authority in the church, he would tell them not to forget rule number six. Did you know there were rules about being a church authority? No. I didn't. Here they are. Inevitably, people would say, what is rule number six? Don't take yourself too darn seriously, he would say. I love that. Don't take yourself too seriously. And then people would be like, okay, what are the other five rules? And then he would say, there aren't any. There are no other rules. Mm. I love that. So remember rule number six. Don't take yourself too darn seriously. I think Zion is a place of happiness and fun and friendship. And um, he says this, to be effective leaders in the church, we must learn this critical lesson. Leadership in the church is not so much about directing others as it is our willingness to be directed by God. Ooh, he's just so good so just remember that don't take yourself too seriously try to be directed by god try to become more like christ and that's zion that's how you be a good leader and that's how you be a god-pleasing person instead of a people-pleasing person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i love it (coughs) thanks Um, for coming to my ted talk about (laughs) that one talk okay (laughs) it was amazing and i just want to wrap up this ted talk (laughs) By saying that when we focus on doing all the things we should be doing, checking all those little checkboxes, we are becoming artificial disciples of Christ. Oh my goodness. That's what perfectionism is. I don't know if it always comes from a place of, you know, um, I don't want to say purity, but kind of like pure intentions. Pure intentions. And I think it's not that you have bad intentions, but just 
you know, think about what it is to be a disciple of Christ. And are you being a disciple of Christ or are you being an artificial disciple of Christ? And I love that because it goes back to what you just barely said about how if you serve to get the approval of, of others, then you have your reward. If you live a perfectionistic life, people are going to, I mean, Alicia and I have experienced this plenty of times where people are like, oh, you're so perfect. You're mm-hmm. so perfect. You're so this, 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 this. And you, you know, that's the, that's the reward. That's the reward is you wanted to look perfect. You're coming off as perfect. People tell you you're perfect and that's it. But you know what you're lacking out on? Deep relationships, yeah. connecting with Connection. others, true service with yourself and others. So like, if you don't want any of that, great. Keep and living a perfect life. Yeah. And that's such a shallow like reward. It doesn't last lonely. Yeah. It's a really lonely reward. Like, oh, you're so perfect. You're so great. And that's just like, oh, thanks. And then it's done. Right. And then it's like, Uh am I really though? And it always leaves you wanting more, but God's praise and God's, I don't want to not approval, but God's like acceptance and love is never ending. Mm -hmm. Like, I love when it says it's the, you know, um, life water. What? (laughs) <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about he's like the like the lifeblood or the like living, wa- the living something waters. about water yeah living that. Waters. like it never ends we're doing good <laughs> we're doing great we're doing great here but yeah i know what you mean yeah 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 totally um and we here's the thing we at our church we believe in a big heaven and a small and if you don't you might need to bury yourself in the scriptures a little bit more we believe in a huge heaven and ginormous. a small hell. Very, 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 very small hell. Yeah, totally. And going back to what Alicia said um, about about when, when other people have good moments and we, we should be celebrating those. One of my absolute favorite aspects of Zion that I will talk about until my last dying breath is baptismal covenants. I It is so... You cannot have Zion without the covenants that we all made at baptism. And yeah. I'm going to just list them off really fast. Um, this is in Mosiah 18 for those wondering. Um, willing to mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places. Oh, we I love that. covenanted. We made a promise with a living God that when we came across one of his other children, we would comfort them. We would mourn with them and that we would stand in place for Christ for them. And you know what that also includes? I don't think it mentions is being happy with people too, Mm -hmm. is celebrating their celebrations with them. Um, Yeah. And it's something I want to add to that really quick too. Um, I loved what you said about, you know, being a representative of Christ. We want to be an example of him. And then I just, I just want to keep driving this home. Don't get a savior complex though, where it's, mm-hmm. this is yeah. my responsibility to save this person. Right. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, that's another line like, that perfectionists like I'm, to cross. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I'm a member of the church, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should be like Jesus for everyone. But guess what? It's so comforting to know that Christ is there for them too. But I think how we can fulfill that baptismal covenant is helping people turn to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Not turn to you, not turn to anyone else, but helping them turn to Jesus, the person who knows them best and the person that can heal them and oh, comfort them. And Yeah, a really beautiful way that my dad illustrated this. Um, my little brother got picked on quite a bit in like middle school-ish era. Who didn't, but you know. And um, he had this really good friend that we all loved, still love, he's amazing. And my dad one day knew my brother was getting picked on, knew he was having a rough time, but there's only so much that my dad could do. Right. My dad, I mean, he could talk to the, like the principal and he could, you know, do that, but he can't 
you know, stop the kids from saying what they're saying. So he pulled aside my, my brother's friend one day and he said, Hey, like I cannot go to school with him. I can't be there with him, but you can. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And he said, will you just please watch out for him and make sure that he's okay? Because I can't be there with him. And we're all down here in mortal middle school, which honestly, that's <laughs> probably the most accurate way. I've yeah, heard it, it bites. Yeah, mortal middle school. And God can't be here with us because it would ruin the whole point of going to school, right? Like the whole plan would be disrupted if God could come down here and be with us every second of the day. So guess what he did instead? Instead, when all of his members joined the church, he asked them, all right, welcome to the church. Glad you're here. Glad you made it. Now, your first task is when you see another one of my kids struggling, I'm not going to be able to be there and I need you to be there for me Yeah, a- and watch out for them. And this friend of my brother, we, again, like I said, still love him to this day. And he, he was there for my brother through thick and thin. He stood up for him. He called out other kids. He, and I think that by standing up for him, he led a lot of other people to Christ too. But it, just adding on to what you said again, like we're not the savior. We're not going to save these people, but we have covenanted to help them. We've covenanted to be there for him. And we've covenanted to do what Christ would do if he was there with them in that situation. And this really, I think I'm just going to go on a tangent really quickly. Gossip. (sighs) Gossip. And I I know know. we've we've talked about that on this podcast and I'm going to bring it up again because guess who still hasn't fixed it in their life? Me. me. <laughs> yeah. Me. This is such a huge one. And it's not even if you're doing the gossiping. If you are in a room where someone else in the room is talking badly about one of God's other children, you have covenanted to stop that gossip. Yeah. I mean, Love it that. is like it is as black and white in that. Like you have you have promised that you would stand in as Christ for all of his children unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And so we just as a whole, guys, gossip needs to cut it in the church it needs to stop yeah and I honestly got a little bit emotional when you were telling that story about your brother and your dad and his friend because life can be lonely and even part of the church life can be very very lonely and because no one is perfect there are going to be times when you maybe don't have that friend you don't have that person that is going to be there for you but God never left he never leaves us alone and at baptism we got the Holy Spirit to be with us. As long as mm-hmm. we're always trying to keep those covenants, he gives you a companion. And that is so comforting to me. I know I have faced my fair share of trials <laughs> at, you know, this age, but he never, ever, ever leaves you alone. And be patient with people that are struggling to keep these covenants because I know I am, mm-hmm. you know, I know all of us are. So be patient with those. And, you know, again, don't, don't judge that action, but instead, you know, trusting God's comforting spirit that's with us, that he's gifted us with. It's my favorite gift. Best yeah. gift ever. Like, you never have to be alone. Yeah. And it's honestly the fact that God allows us to be part of the process of helping other people is a privilege for us. Like, it's not only a duty for us to to stand in and help others, but it is a privilege for us to be part of that process. Yeah. And so I beautiful. love it because I don't think God really, I mean... He could take care of it if he wanted to. He's God, but he allows us to step in and make those covenants and fulfill them. Yeah, totally. Amen. I just need to say amen. Thank you to everything you just said. (laughs) So in closing, we want to share a poem that I 
love so much. It's banging. Yeah. And I want you to think about it in terms of Zion and building Zion. Everything we've talked about. It's by Edgar A. Guest. I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a heave and a hoe and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and the side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are these skilled and the men you'd hired if you had to build? He gave me a laugh and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can wreck in a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. I thought to myself as I went away, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by a rule and square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks the town, content with the labor of tearing down? Dude, I am stunned every time I hear that poem. He did such a good job. It's so good. It's amazing. I love where he says... Uh, that part the way he worded it was like a little bit weird Mm -hmm. but he's saying like are these skilled men you know like are these men that you had to vet and interview and and hire specifically to do this and i love where he's like nope just common labor is all i need because tearing down is such an easy way it's the path of least resistance yep so easy right and i i especially love the piercing question at the end which am i Am Mm -hmm. I a builder or am I someone who's content with just tearing things down, leaving a path of destruction behind me? Mm -hmm. And think about which role you play in Zion. Are you a builder? Are you someone carefully and patiently? I love that he said patient, patiently building others up and building yourself up. I think Zion is mostly internal. You know, Mm -hmm. it should be focused internally and focused towards God. So which are you? Are you a builder or a wrecker? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by Spencer W. Kimball, and it says, sin is the result of deep, unmet needs. And so anytime anyone, I I like to replace sin with any unpleasant action, right? Just anything that anyone does that's wrong or not great is the result of a deep need that is being unmet. And so do you know what's really easy? What's really easy is when someone cuts you off in traffic for you to immediately think that they're a jerk. And I feel attacked and to immediately, I'm like at Alicia, no. <laughs> but to immediately label them. Right. Or, or these things we've talked about when someone, you know, does something wrong and I don't want to name any quote unquote sin because I, I just don't want anyone thinking that one sin's worse than the other, but anything mm-hmm. wrong, you know, again, labeling them as an it, like we talked about earlier, w- or if someone just, if someone wrongs you, it's so much easier to just sit there and label them and accuse them in your mind and build up this thing about them than to look at them and think, okay, you did this. It either hurt me or other people or wasn't cool. And instead of labeling you immediately, I am going to try to see what need you have that's not being met right now. And if I, as a covenant keeping child of God, can help you meet that need rather than reacting and shunning you and labeling you and judging you. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's how we build up people. Mm -hmm. That's how we build each other up. That's what we should be doing. So if someone messes up like we all do, or when you mess up, be compassionate to yourself and lift each other up, you know, like literally lift each other up. Mm -hmm. This is how we gather Israel with open arms and we do the work of building together, which I would like to highlight. He said it takes years to do years to build. It's something beautiful and big and grand and that's what we're trying to do it takes time it takes so much time and the church is extremely young very young 
yeah. in comparison to a lot of, you know, very well-established faiths that have been around for a long time. Yeah. So be patient. Please, please be patient. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Alrighty. Take us away, Anna. Takeaways. We love them. Okay, awesome. So we have four takeaways for you today. Number one, Zion is a place where everyone has a place unconditionally. Number two, we worship a perfect God, not a perfectionistic God. Number three, when we worship the rules instead of God, we are becoming artificial disciples of Christ. Number four, it's so much easier to tear down than to build up. So be someone who builds Zion everywhere. And you do this by building people up, including yourself. Thank you all so much for listening. This is like maybe one of our favorite episodes, I like really my lo- favorite episodes yeah. that we've done. I'm really, really passionate about this episode and I yeah. hope you all enjoyed it. Let us know what you liked about it, what you learned, what you would like us to touch on in future episodes. Mm-hmm. And we will do that. Thank you. My name is Anna. My name is Alicia. And, and this, this is Popping Perfectionism. Perfectionism.